0: Yo, this is the Fight sites MMA podcast. I am Ed Gallo. I'm joined by Shrum Merlot. Yeah, I always nail it. Molly Darn. <laughs> Shram Molly Darn. I get it every time. This is the first time that I didn't get it. Um, sorry. How are yeah.
1: you? It's <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, I'm good. Um, fun card last time and at least one good card to talk about this time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you know, uh, not much to complain about.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we got lots of fights to discuss. Some high-level MMA has occurred. And there's some high-level MMA on the horizon. Not the Stripland Hall card, but actually Bellator (laughs) has a great event coming up. And unfortunately, it's not the typical Bellator Friday, uh, UFC Saturday type of deal. Um, It is what it is. You're going to have to pick one or watch them simultaneously. Directly
1: compete. Yeah,
0: yeah. Do do whatever you want, honestly. But uh, Bellator is the better card, for sure. But before we get into that, uh, we're going to discuss the previous UFC card, uh, Dillashaw versus San which was one, that fight was amazing. And two, that card was amazing. Um, yeah. so that's fantastic. But, uh, you know, before we do any of that card breakdown stuff, let's talk about some huge news that I'm sure we're both very excited about. Uh, Colby <laughs> Covington's getting a second title shot. Um, The rematch against Kamaru Usman, Obviously the first fight was extremely close and he was up four rounds and then it got stopped early. You know, he should have won obviously. So, you know, good to see him getting some justice. Am I right?
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) who can argue with his tremendously convincing performance and his title eliminator against very relevant contender, Tyron Woodley. Uh, Now he's going to go to boxing and box up accredited boxer, Jake Paul, which is a real feather in Colby's cap. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, if we're going to take off the irony hat for a second, it sucks. But welterweight's in a weird place. I mean, Gilbert Burns just kind of proved himself to be a a real contender at the division after, you know, he got his own Woodley squash. A lot more convincing than Covington's, but, uh, you know, beating Wonderboy a lot more significant. And, uh, you know, Leon Edwards is out there, 9, 10 straight, (laughs) something like that. But, you know, the the Nate fight. He's canceled. (laughs) It sucks. I mean, I think he's a lot more compelling than Covington. Uh, as a challenge for Usman, but sometimes shit just happens. Uh, But, I mean, Burns deserves a rematch more than Colby deserves a rematch at this point. It isn't really particularly close. Mm -hmm. So
0: You took your irony hat off, but my irony hat stays on during sex. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, Colby Covington uh, getting a rematch is pretty dumb. Uh, He's not, like a weak contender just because the division doesn't have anyone like jumping out, screaming, saying, this is definitely the guy. Like Leon should have been the guy that he kind of screwed up by not completely shutting out Nate Diaz. He almost (laughs) did. And then he screwed it up. And I, I understand holding that against him honestly, because it was pretty underwhelming, disappointing that that happened. Um, He should probably still be getting the title shot. It is what it is. If you're doing a rematch, like you said, Burns makes sense. Um, (laughs) Yep. If you want to do it by, like, who did better against Usman, uh, Colby made it further and didn't get Burns knocked did out the more, same way. But yeah. Burns had more success uh, just in a shorter amount of time. Um, he he kind of had a better performance. And people think that Colby did very well in the Usman fight. And I can kind of understand thinking that. But if you it again, and you can actually go to the, to the fight site on Patreon, Uh, My Kamaru Usman resume review, that's the final sequence Is I watched that fight. And I, I show all the ways that Usman was actually winning pretty handily. And I think what people miss is that Usman was countering him to the body super hard a lot. And that matters a ton. So Colby wasn't landing very clean very often at all. Those body shots were huge, and that was a pretty consistent theme. Um, You know, Usman definitely had some moments where his defense was just, like, standing there, and Colby got off some shots, but uh, not a big hitter, and the volume really wasn't landing the way that people like to think it was, and it it really wasn't close. I didn't score any rounds for Covington. There might have been one or two where there's, like, some semblance of an argument, but he wasn't winning the fight. He wasn't going to win the fight, and the way the fight ended – Was Usman just walking him down and throwing a one-two and cracking him. And honestly, Colby did no work the entire time to dissuade him from doing that, which is it was a cool performance, like it was a fun fight. It was annoying that Usman was like standing there, like trying to play counter when he could have done what he did at the end the entire time. The whole time there was nothing stopping him from doing that, and I'm not exaggerating. There was literally nothing stopping him from doing that. So hopefully, what I'm looking for in the rematch is either that he could wrestle more just to demonstrate that that was a viable game plan the whole time, because uh, Covington has been taken down by Woodley and RDA and they are not the best wrestler in the division. Usman is, um, you know, who didn't get taken down by Woodley and RDA, Usman, Uh, (laughs) but you know, he could wrestle and just kind of demonstrate that part of the matchup, or he could just do the easiest route and pressure and just throw straight uh, and, and hit him, which I think he could do. So it's not particularly interesting in terms of like, oh my God, can Colby get him this time? No. Uh, I think Usman could fight the same exact fight and win it again. But if you're if you have investment in Usman as a fighter, then it's like, okay, cool. Can he do better? Um, and he should be able to do better. And maybe Covington's improved, but he didn't look improved versus Woodley. He looked worse actually. Um yeah. so you would expect him to do better this time. Usman.
1: Yeah, I mean, Usman, uh, for all the issues that I've had with his recent approach, uh, you know, not really pressure wrestling all that aggressively, uh, boxing with guys who probably pose a little bit more danger there than in the clinch and on the ground. It's something that, like, he's improved his punching mechanics, he's improved his eye for counterpunching, and really uh, there was never any threat from Colby in terms of, like, wrestling. There just wasn't. It's not something that Colby can do to the level that Usman can, both in terms of physicality and, like, even just existing in the clinch. So I think this is just – it's like the Mosvidal rematch, basically. It's, like, slightly more interesting, I guess, since Colby deserves it slightly more, but not all that much more interesting. So whatever. Uh, Welterweight's never been particularly inspiring to me, uh, but it's kind of at a weird low point now with both of the – like, with the top contender having ruined his chance by getting punched a single time. <laughs> it's, uh, it sucks. I hate uh, it. But, you know – whatever
0: whatever indeed uh so that's our reaction to that news that's gonna i I think be the main driver of any negativity uh this week last week it was because we didn't like islam akash's ranking although (laughs) you know I, i assume people that were mad about that like him a lot as a fighter i think we said very nice things about him as a fighter just didn't think the ranking process was very good but you know it's fine uh i'm fine you can't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm not still thinking about it a week later, for sure. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on from that topic because it, it's not a good one. I uh, just wanted to remark on that. Corey Sanhagen, and TJ Dillashaw, we talked a lot about this because we did commentary on the fight. You can listen to that commentary uh, on any podcast platform under the Fight Site Podcast Network or you can watch the fight with our commentary and, you know, good quality, no lag, uh, nice, nice, uh, experience. Uh, that's on Patreon $3 is the minimum tier that gets you all of the content. Um, everything. And there's a lot, <laughs> there's probably over 200 pieces of content there right now, and we're still building it up. I so definitely recommend hopping on there, checking out all the different things we have. It's a lot of me. So if you don't like me, I understand, uh, why I
1: don't
0: <laughs> 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 well, that would be discouraging, but there's other people too. Um, and you probably haven't seen a lot of the stuff that's on there because you think, oh, I have the podcast subscription. Like you put all that stuff on there. Anyway, not all of it. No, not all of it. You don't know. Uh so <laughs> check it out. And then obviously other tiers hold other benefits, but I'm not I'm not here to talk into that right now. Just watch our commentary. But anyway, uh <laughs> Our, our nice friend and patron Ronan said that that was our best commentary ever. So maybe start with that one okay. because apparently it was very good. Um, so the fight, how are you feeling about it right now? What is the discourse about it right now? And then we can start to unpack some, uh, unpack some specific things.
1: Right. I rewatched it a couple of times uh, since the thing I may or may not be finishing up something I'm writing about it. It, It's a really complex fight uh, that's like it because, you know, most of the time I write about a fight, it tends to have like a really common thread throughout the fight that's easy to like go through because it's just way easier to write about things that way. This one, it's a very MMA fight and the things show up and things disappear. But... (laughs) Yeah, it was a a tremendous fight. The discourse being about the scoring is kind of annoying because I think there's like a lot of things you can take away from that fight regardless of who won. If you take it as like a closely contested draw, I'm completely fine with that. And we can talk about Corey Sanhagen being very cool and TJ Dillashaw being one of the greatest of all time coming back and going to a functional draw with a really young, really promising fighter. So, yeah, I mean, the discourse being about the scoring, it's annoying. Uh, and it's even more annoying that people are doing it on like TJ's back control, which it didn't really matter for one. And two, it was a close fight even without that. So like, let it go and shut up. <laughs> but yeah, like if you look at the things that scored TJ did quite a lot of it, Sanhagen may have done slightly more, but you know, TJ, a very gutsy veteran performance that deserves a lot of praise.
0: Yeah. That's where, what's where I'm at. Like we both ended up scoring it for Sandhagen live um I haven't rewatched it and done more scoring on it. I probably will uh sometime soon. Maybe even for the bad calls series that is also on Patreon where I score fights. Be yeah, a good call. Yeah, it's a good call. To listen to that. <laughs> um but yeah, I ended up scoring it for Sandhagen. He uh he was outlanding TJ most most rounds um and was knocking him around visibly which uh in the impact criteria is pretty important. So that's definitely a factor and uh, his grappling um, was actually fairly impactful as well. Like he, you know, hurt his leg uh, with that heel hook and um, you know, was just doing good work off his back. Wasn't getting scored on very much. in the, when he was on bottom uh, in those rear standing positions where TJ had his back uh, against the cage, he didn't score obviously in those positions, <laughs> but TJ didn't score a lot. Um, he was throwing pretty small knees. And I was, I was upset about that because I'm like, what's stopping you? from really going to town and it turned out he had the, the pretty bad list the of injuries. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they could limit your movement. But what, what kind of freaking guy has injuries to the point where he he can't like level change the way he wants or like put hooks in in the back, like can't throw, like can't bring his leg all the way back, to throw a knee, but still fights like he fights, you know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> still like shifting and flipping and like doing all this stuff. And like, it makes sense that he didn't kick above the knee very much he kicked the body a few times very effectively and kind of let off on it he got a kick he got caught once and didn't seem to like how that felt um so with the injuries in hindsight actually his performance makes so much more sense um but even without that I was really impressed I didn't think he looked shot or washed or anything like that I think it was just a really difficult matchup um against someone durable and long someone who could punish his defensive habits um I thought he was a goner for sure because you know at that one point where he <laughs> robbed him just throwing out those feeler jabs had TJ going through the sequence of head movement, walked him into that hook at the end of it. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to do that to him all night. Uh, (laughs) And TJ made the adjustment that we were talking about. We're like, okay, if he can, well, what I wanted was shorter exchanges. Like you don't have to stick around and like, you know, wade through the, the, his, his jabs (laughs) had to get something off. You can either, you know, hit your, hit your slip counter or whatever you want to do right away, hit your, your short entry or, Get out, you know what I mean, and he ended up, yeah, pulling the trigger sooner was his adaptation, you know, being more aggressive, pulling the trigger sooner, um, not waiting around, trying to find the perfect moment, and that ended up being great for him. And that allowed him to backstand Hagen up more, and that really opened up his low kicking, too. Um, he got really aggressive with his low kicking. I think he learned that lesson from the cruise fight that if if you got a lanky guy that's hard to hit, you should boot his legs out, kick the leg, (laughs)
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was super impressed. I think. Uh, one of the so on rewatch and this didn't come to me the first time because it's kind of a stupid comparison. But Do on rewatch, it. what it kind of reminded me of was uh, Robert Whittaker versus Darren Till, because a lot of what TJ does, right? It's you know get in and out really fast entries, really quick exits on angles. And here against Sanhagen, there were a lot of points where he really needed to commit on the entry and like lunge in. And there were a lot of points he looked like a, a parody of Joseph Benavides, basically. And it's tough to fight like Joseph Benavides when you are not, in fact, Joseph Benavides. Uh, there are a lot of points where you're like, hey, why don't you hit the body more? Well, it's tough to really confidently go to the body when you need to reach and shift on everything. And, and you're shifting in a completely different context <laughs> to the way that you're doing. And duck in and against someone who's been known for throwing crazy flying knees on the counter. And he did. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Like, we saw that several times in this fight as well. So- I understand why he didn't do some of the things he did because it looked like a tough matchup. And a lot of the, the things that Dillashaw did to adjust to that, apart from, you know, fighting like Joseph Benavidez, pulling the trigger on the counters earlier, was a lot of the adaptation that Robert Whitaker did himself, which is kick more, kick on the outside, uh, draw the retreats and kick him as he left. Uh, lots of transitional work, which is actually really nice. Like he didn't really work off the um, off the rear standing position itself that much. But when Sanhagen escaped, he did a lot of nice work getting mm-hmm. the collar ties and hitting elbows uh, tying up the wrist and hitting elbows. Uh, for his part, Sanhagen, I mean, he's much better than Darren Till, so obviously it was a closer fight. But I, I really like a lot of Sanhagen's work, too. I never really thought of him as, like, a really strong counterpuncher. I think it's, like, solid, but a lot of it's dependent on, like, what TJ does as well, which is draw out a reaction that you know is coming on the lead with, like, a feint or a throwaway, and then take advantage instead of, like, really taking advantage of a guy charging in at you. But... Sanhagen did a good job, really needled him with counters moving in, uh, used his length super well on those jabs uh, to move him around and hit him with the rear hook, uh, played the rear straight and the rear hook off each other and went to the body with that as well. So like TJ, his defense has never been really all that, so it makes sense that it worked really well. But still, it's it's a smart offensive way to fight. Uh, one thing I really liked was the way that Sanhagen started playing off the hands later in the fight because uh, we noted this on the commentary, right? TJ started going to a high guard a little bit more when the cut started getting really annoying to him, and he didn't want to get jabbed and hooked there a bunch. Uh, So he started just, you know, covering up uh, on one side. And each time that happened, after a certain point, Sanhagen just started grabbing the hand, dragging it physically away, throwing straights. At one point, he dragged it away and threw a straight into a body hook, which was really nice. But at the end of the fight, TJ actually started using that against Sanhagen, because Sanhagen grab the hand and TJ just shot underneath it. to so get an easy takedown entry. Mm-hmm. So lots of little interactions like that. Uh, TJ's mind still one of the best in the game when it comes to, you know, those little sorts of tactical exchanges. Um, I don't really think you can point to anything. His decline, his conditioning looked really good. It was super, super durable. Uh, and Sandhagen just looked like a tough fight.
0: Yeah, honestly, his wrestling is the thing that looked the most different, um, but not, not his entries. His entries look pretty normal. Um, cause he's never been like a super, uh, severe level changer, which is what would have been tougher on his knees and back. Um, but yeah, with the finishes on the shots, he was making Sandhagen look really strong. Um, so that was the read <laughs> that I was picking up. Cause without knowing TJ's injured, like they're in these positions, he looked really hard to move. TJ looked like he was having a really hard time, uh, um, you know, crunching the legs together, essentially. Um, when he was anywhere standing, when Sandhagen was grip fighting, he looked like he was having a lot of success grip fighting and pummeling. And he just looked a lot stronger grappling than I'd ever seen him look before. Uh, like a Sun looked like the much stronger guy. Um, like S- uh, Sterling obviously looked like the much stronger guy. Yeah. And TJ is a freaking beast, you know what I mean? So Crazy athlete, He's, a, he's yeah. very strong. So I was surprised. And I was like, did San, he can get stronger <laughs> or just like better <laughs> in these situations? Because I think he was doing better a little bit than he normally does, but uh, the, I saw plenty of opportunities where TJ would have put hooks in or boots in, you might say, in wrestling uh, traditionally because he loves to do that, and he didn't do it at all. Uh, and I was like, that must be part of the game plan or just with age, he doesn't want to do it as much. Um, but yeah, the, afterwards, talking about the injuries, the way, the way that it limited his wrestling made the most sense. Um, but yeah, San Hagen, like, same issues, honestly. Like, he he punishes entries pretty well because he keeps distance, right? He's an okay anti-wrestler. His ring craft, I thought for a lot of the fight looked really good. Um, he was making really sharp exits, uh, close to the cage, you know, cutting angles, you know, moving fast laterally. He wasn't galloping around. you know what I mean, it was all very intentional yeah. and, and pr- pretty well executed, but with the small cage, you can't really afford too much space. Uh, you know, you can't afford to not have a lot of space behind you, uh, in, between you and the cage. So TJ was able to drive him back on his shots and wasn't even shooting on his legs anymore at a certain point, he was just going high in the hips and driving him straight back in the fence. And, you know, you can transition from that level change and get on the legs. And he just kind of abandoned doing that because Sanhagen pathologically turns, turns and goes <laughs> rear standing. Cause he just wants to fight hands or if they're in fight space, the hands, like grand yeah. Funk, whatever. Um, so it's the same stuff that got him in trouble versus Sterling. Um, he hasn't adapted that very much, which is disappointing because it's obviously a huge issue. And if he had done his homework on TJ, he would have known that that was was a really bad idea, or he's been drilling, not getting his back taken, like had some answer for that, but like, that's not really a good way to be Um, on the commentary. I'm like, I'm okay with him just kind of getting better at this way that he fights in terms of defending wrestling and grappling. Um, But you can only go so far with it. You shouldn't be letting people take your back and then trying to have some sort of counter to that like you need to be better from that position if you're going to go there all the time and he's not he's yeah. not good enough from that position to for it to be a thing um and it's not like this division's getting any less wrestlers over time um <laughs> it's <laughs> like that's not going to stop being an issue um so yeah you can have your flying knee counters you can have your distance control you can have your ring craft but like if someone just takes a good entry on you and that's it they're on your back and they're going to put hooks in and then that could be that's a huge a loss of control or a submission potentially like a it's it's a really big issue um so that really hurt my feelings because <laughs> he he, he looks so good <laughs> otherwise you know what i mean um yeah he, he's a really smart striker um tj you know exposed some holes as well you know, nothing that we didn't totally know already we did predict the kicking matchup oh my god we didn't gloat Let's oh, do that. True. Talk talk we, about your read first in the say, commentaries it's, yeah. Tell me what you said before the fight started.
1: Yeah, so right before the fight, I said that uh, TJ's big, like a uh, big trend in the opponents that he faced, where that they tended to keep a fairly short range. Um, Rafael dos Anjos, for instance, he's pretty small for a bantamweight, even which is surprising since he used to be a featherweight. Uh, Cody Garbrandt is taller than TJ, but like fights like a really really short person, maybe because he has stupidly tiny arms. um John Lineker is another one. I mean, Dominic Cruz was probably the guy who extended the range against TJ the most. And we saw in a lot of that fight, TJ was kind of chasing him like an idiot. Uh, he didn't really keep his composure all that well. And Sanhagen, he was like a whole head taller than TJ, which, I mean, I, we saw in the fight TJ could recontextualize his shifting to really track Sanhagen down. And I think that was probably the bigger issue with Sanhagen's ring craft is that there are a lot of linear retreats. Uh, we saw him like straight punching and stepping right back. Uh, but... TJ was able to just continue the exchanges, hit him, and then Sanhagen would just hit him back. Like, there wasn't any sort of, like, limitation there, the way that Sanhagen was fighting. He was just, you know, willing to concede the trade, just hitting him at the same time. But, yeah, that's what I saw was that if TJ's game wasn't super tuned to fighting taller guys because it'd take a lot more commitment on entries and that commitment on entries would slow down the exits, then it'd be tough. And we did see several examples of that because – When, like, uh, I remember at least one exchange where TJ, like, lunged in with, like, this big leftover hand. He ended up completely squared up and, like, tried to exit, but all he could do was, like, lean back ugly. And uh, Sanhagen just turned and cracked him before he could leave. So, it like, I brought up Whitaker versus uh, Till. That was kind of like a Whitaker out of Sanya type thing there. But, yeah, I mean, it it turned out weirdly prescient for a read that I had, Mm -hmm. like. 30 seconds before
0: it's it happened a bunch of times, like right before the fight starts, like we're talking about, we're, we're doing like a mini, a mini preview, a mini breakdown, right? Like during the walkouts and we'll start, we'll come up with some new stuff that we didn't say before. And then it ends up being really important. Um, last podcast. I said, I would not gloat about um, TJ wrestling, Corey Sandhagen, because it's not that crazy of a read. It makes a lot of sense if you've watched them fight. Um, but what I am proud of was the kicking thing. Uh, you know, saying that, that, and honestly, just to, to come clean, it's just because I watched the Lineker fight that week (laughs) and Lineker was kicking him a lot. I'm like, if Lineker is kicking you a lot, like you look pretty kickable, my man, like he's getting those off for free. So, uh, as like TJ's a good kicker, TJ learned a lesson from the cruise fight. I think he can limit his exchanges. And, you know, if he is Jenny, if he, if he can't afford to fight the way he normally does, he can, he can kick him a ton. And that ended up being pretty true. Uh, so I'll gloat about that a little bit um also just that uh, that i picked tj you know that's that's worth that's bragging worth about a little about. bit i don't think he won but <laughs> he got the win so that <laughs> makes me look a little better um but yeah so it was a really cool fight um i'm really happy about it neither guy got hurt really which is always nice because i like them both uh, i understand not liking tj because he's a tool and he did epo <laughs> so if you care about if your fighter is a douchebag or if they do steroids, and I totally get not liking him. But that makes me like him more, actually, because what I like about him (laughs) is he's, like, nasty. He's, like, a nasty jerk, Um, super, super crazy competitive, and, like, comes through in his fights. And it's, like, if you like the whole personality is fighter style thing, he's he's the best one. Um, He's the best one. Like, he he is that guy, and he's freaking ferocious. So, so, I mean, I I hate him. I think he's – I don't like him at all as a person. But as a fighter, it's it's very likable for me because I like people who try really hard and don't give up and make adaptations and leverage their advantages and do all the things that he does. So uh, I like him and Corey Sandhagen is very likable. It's it's very easy to like him.
1: Yeah, I mean the thing with TJ is that there are several performances where you can really tell why like he not hates the other guy, but <laughs> you can tell how hard he's trying. Uh, I mean Garbrandt might have been one where he like legitimately he hates that trying to beat him Venom. It's extremely rude of them. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, like against Borau, he was like, I hate that I'm this big of an underdog. And he just went in and took as much damage as he had to to just, you know, take his prime and just chop him up. And Sanhagen was one where like there was this one exchange. uh, I think it was like right at the beginning of the second or the third. Uh, Sanhagen like enters with a straight. TJ slips it. Sanhagen like grabs his wrist as he leaves and turns around. And TJ, just not a second of hesitation, just socks him (laughs) right in the back of the head with a straight. It was amazing. I loved it. I think
0: it. he went. He, I think Just, he threw a combination in the back. I think he hit him twice in the back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just the man does not care, and it's amazing. Like I compared him to Robert Whitaker, but they could not be more different as oh, people. No. And like you can even say that they're very similar in terms of like you could tell how hard they tried to stay sharp through the layoff. Like TJ, he was working you could really, really tell mm-hmm. he did not, he did not look slow for a second. Like Dominic Cruz put it on the, on the uh, commentary that ring rest doesn't exist. And this was a very cruisy in return for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guy is a maniac. He trains all year. He trains like an animal and I'm sure being on lots of steroids helps with that. Um, that's why you do them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he's an all time great. He's one of the top 10 greatest fighters of all time. And, um, so you, you have to root for that, I think. And, you know, he still has a lot of time left. You know, people get confused about primes because they look at age. Um, but, I mean, he he took that... He had that time off. He took the time off. He was forced into having time off. Um, but, you know, maybe he was training pretty hard, but it's not like he was accruing damage. Like, people don't really understand why fighters age the way they do. Um, it, it's, you know, miles, you know? How many miles are you putting on your body? What Are you... Doing extreme weight cutting? Are you having crazy sparring wars in practice? And yes, TJ has done both of those things a lot, <laughs> but he wasn't doing it for two years. So I didn't expect him to age a lot in between <laughs> this time. But anyway, <laughs> it was awesome that he pulled such a great performance out of himself with a matchup that was so clearly bad for him. And uh, Sandhagen showed his level. He's he's great. He's really good. Um, he's he's an elite fighter, and he has some holes that really bother me. But I think he can do well in the future. I think you know, we match him up with a somebody who's a little less threatening that can pose similar issues. You know, some level of grappler. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, what would be yeah. amazing is if he fought Chito Vera in a five rounder. That mm-hmm. would be very cool. But That'd be incredible. Yeah, I got no ideas otherwise. But yeah, TJ might be sitting for a title fight. He's a name, so the he's probably gonna use him in that way. Uh, but if not, like Aldo Munoz winner or like <laughs> Font or somebody like that, it, you can't really go wrong matching up the top five or six weights. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be good no matter what.
1: Yeah, the word is that TJ is waiting on a title shot, which makes, makes sense. sense yeah. Um, yeah, Sterling TJ, too, or Sterling Yen two rather, is like in October or something, yeah. I believe. Which, so I mean, far. That's soon enough. Yeah. For, yeah, it's far, but it's soon enough for TJ to wait for a bit after that injury. Yeah. Uh, Sanhagen's already called for the Rob Font fight, which I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's a really interesting fight, too, just because with how much Sanhagen relies on his length in this fight uh, – Font could be a uniquely tricky fight mm-hmm. for him at Wayne. Another really huge bantamweight, uh, very jabby,
0: rangy puncher. Pretty much, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Similar durability, similar cardio, similar volume. Uh, maybe a bit more keen on enforcing his ringcraft dynamic because Font knows he's good as a long-range pressure. Uh, Sandhagen doesn't really seem to settle into that role unless he's like given to him, which could make the difference. But, yeah, I think San Higgins super promising. He's still only like seven or eight years into his right. career, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should not be competing with this level of TJ Dillashaw that soon into your career. It does not make any sense. So, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a very promising loss. I came out of it thinking, uh, you know, pretty much the same of him. It was a stronger counterpunching performance that I'm used to seeing from him, as I mentioned. His wrestling looked fine compared to what it used to look like. Uh, like, if Sterling was the prospect loss, this was the contender loss, and those happen, so it is what it is.
0: Corey Sandhagen has only been a pro one year less than Peter Young, 2014 and 2015. Insane. Yeah, they're ridiculous. And uh, one last thing on this fight is you made a lot of Robert Whitaker comparisons with TJ. You know who else did that? Connor Rebush. He did that a ton <laughs> recently, so there you go. You guys are on the same page about that. All right.
1: Well, I mean, there's the knee injury, too. Exactly. Yeah, Christ. there's
0: a lot, a lot of parallels. Maybe Whitaker is secretly a bad person. Um, oh no! Not nah, that's impossible. Okay, <laughs> we spent a lot of time there. Let's go hyperspeed. But Hallian Paiva, that's your boy. You, you were you were high on yep. him. You were talking him up. Um, he looked like a giant idiot against Kyler Phillips. <laughs> to be honest with you, and that fight probably shouldn't have, should have been a draw. He really sold out on his win condition. I'll give him that. His win condition was to gas this dude out and walk him down, and he did that. It's fully accepting the consequences. Too professional.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Paiva Phillips is actually kind of a weirdly unique fight in that you can, you can really see, like, one is this really tight formalist type fighter where Kyler Phillips is, like, completely crazy and does nothing right. Uh, but, like, you could see, right? Like, he strikes like he's Jan Blachowicz. I can't believe I'm the only one who said that. But he can jab and everything else he does is a shift. He steps in behind a straight. He steps in behind everything. Uh, he, like, Blitzes in off his kicks and everything he does aside from the jab takes up half the cage. It's insane. And Piva started countering him like 20 seconds into the fight. But I expected a, a bigger fighter who was really fast and like committed to covering distance to give Piva a lot of trouble, and he did. uh Piva got 10-7 in the first round just based on Phillips like countering him. Really walking into right stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Phillips, he looked solid in that round mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the ideas he had, lots of fun intercepting elbows and stepping in with elbows and spinning heel kicks or whatever. But it also showed the downside of being that much of a loose, wild, you know, stupid fighter with a stupid skill set, uh, which is that you gas out. The, Kyler Phillips had no idea how to do a single thing efficiently. Uh, he gasped out against Song Dong too. It's just that he didn't have the chance to really dump the tank on Song dong because mm-hmm. Song dong didn't very shrewdly allow himself to be finished uh, nearly like seven times in the first round. So that's, uh, I think Holly and Paiva doesn't really have a high ceiling, but I love watching him. Yeah. He's tons of fun, insanely durable. Um, his offensive boxing, it's it's a treat to watch. Uh, lots of combinations on the counter and body work. Uh, by the third round, it was like, um, it was literally Phillips would hit him with like a really hard counter. Paiva would just eat it clean and just drown him in combination work afterwards. It was insane. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see Piva against someone a bit higher rank. They did not put him in the rankings for beating the number 14. They just pulled him from the flyweight rankings, which is uh, not very nice, but you know, it makes sense. Uh, Phillips did not look like the super prospect that we were promised, but Paiva looks like someone who could pull at least a fun fight out of pretty much every anybody at of mm-hmm. weight. So yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to see him against someone like uh, he was calling for a sunset, like the whole week. Since uh, Phillips was supposed to fight a Sun yeah. and Paiva was filling in for him. So, I mean, that'd be a fight that's worth making, I think. Uh, something like Cheeto Vera, since both are just insanely durable and do not care. Uh, that's another one. <laughs> but, yeah, Paiva's tons of fun. Yeah,
0: Paiva almost, I was so angry. Uh, like he, he was, like, <laughs> having success and, like, he uh, he had some good takedown entries. Uh, he got to rear standing and then he dropped for a leg lock. I'm like, bro, this guy just top game, dude, like, not that long ago. He's a good grappler. He's a better grappler than you. Honestly, um, Kyler Phillips is a f- very good grappler. I was really impressed by him, um, especially that uh, yeah. that Kimura to a uh, switch transition. That switch. was so cool. Yeah. Um, but he's a better grappler than you. Don't pull guard. And he pulled guard and looked, he ended up getting <laughs> get back to his feet. But he just over and over again man, just threw himself into terrible positions. But he did start hitting the body. He did start capitalizing on everything. And I get being high on Kyler Phillips because, you know, the aggregate skill set is very impressive. But yeah, it's just, it, it doesn't hold up well over three rounds. And then it's like, can you really get excited about a guy that can't finish out a three rounder? Um, yeah. No, you can't. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, there's a big
0: problem. Yeah. But as, as like, a guy in the division, cool. I like him. Keep him around. Um, <laughs> Darren Elkins did it again. Um, that was, it yep. was annoying because I, I definitely thought Derek Minner was going to beat him. Uh, so I don't like being wrong. And he was winning, and then he he hit a wall so hard. I have not seen that happen many yeah. times where a guy didn't look tired, and then he collapsed.
1: He just and instantly he was done.
0: Becomes, yeah. I, I have not seen that happen too many times, but that was an example of, of hitting a wall.. Yeah. Um, it didn't it, the fight didn't look that. Intense. Energy intensive. But yeah. you don't know what the dynamics are of like how hard is he squeezing, how hard is he have to push off, you know. And there's like an adrenaline dump and you like lose all, all strength in your arms. Like I i, I understand the <laughs> feeling, but I just didn't expect it to happen. Um I, I believe minner initiated the grappling.
1: Yeah, Minner, I think it was like right at the beginning of round two, Miner. Him down like instantly, just blitzed out and took him down. But in the first round, like, okay, too, like that was the game plan yeah. to out
0: grapple him. And I'm like, You're a good grappler, so I get why you think that, but you also saw him get knocked around by Ryan Hall, and that should have been a <laughs> bigger clue of what to do than yeah. to grapple with him. Like, if you're a good grappler and wrestler, then you should probably be able to keep it standing long Pull enough to knock him and, out because yeah. you trained at James, Krause, James Krause's gym, so I know you can, you know, how to strike, um, and hurt people, but whatever like why am i invested <laughs> in darren elkins or Derek minner and you know what <laughs> it's fine <laughs> uh but yeah darren elkins uh, has been encouraged to continue fighting because he won and i think he should retire I do not recommend for that. sure yeah. uh he should have retired after the hall fight because he's getting rocked by ryan Hallman. Oh, yeah it's not good um and anyway, i mean his whole thing is that he's taken a ton of damage and he always has but like that's not good shouldn't do that <laughs> what am i to tell darren elkins what to do what is he gonna do after this no sell real estate maybe
1: yeah <laughs> He's gonna fight max holloway that's an option mm-hmm. um uh, yeah i think that's pretty much it for that fight uh main card i think after this was uh Giannis and costa right that was tons of
0: fun that was dope and we did a commentary on that one too and assuming it holds up i'm in his dms I might be interviewing uh, Adrian Yanez, (laughs) which is going to be pretty cool as well. And we'll talk about the fight and and some other cool stuff. Uh, So look forward to that. But yeah, check out that commentary. Uh, But the main thing I was really impressed by from Costa uh, was uh, his his pressure game plan was cool. And I think um, it's tough because he doesn't look totally built to last, (laughs) if that makes sense. Like it didn't look like he was going to be able to continue that game plan for very long or under duress. But if he had taken the back foot, that skill deficit, you know, not like taking the back foot, but not pressure super hard right away. Um, Giannis would have put him on the back foot and probably done exactly what he did to him sooner. So you have to do that. Um, But yeah, I liked the ideas. like, obviously he's super jab heavy, but he used his, uh, his dexterous kicking, like his kicking advantage that he has over everyone pretty much that he can kick that way um, to just throw up a lot of dangerous kicks around the guard to the sides. Uh, on both sides to discourage slipping to put Yanez's head in one place and then jabs him up. And that was cool. Uh, but what changed?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the fight a lot. I think uh, Costa also did a nice job drawing out Yanez's counters uh, and countering back, which was nice. Uh, he only did it like once or twice, but Yanez also wasn't super active on the counter early. Uh, what changed? I think you could point to a couple things. One, Costa's leg seeming to be a little bit fragile. I,
0: I saw them uh, I think- shaking.
1: Yeah, trembling. It was weird. Uh, Yena started hitting that like uh, Jones type oblique stomp thing. That, like it looks weird and not super powerful necessarily, but like Costa was walking into it, so it, it looked nasty. At least one of them like hyper extended it pretty badly from what we could see. So that was an issue. But it was really more just Yena's, like gaining some initiative and like really pushing Costa back. And when he did that, he could dry out the jab, start cross countering, uh, and Costa gassed out pretty badly once he was put on the back foot. Um, Yanez did a really nice job putting together combos and jabbing with Costa later in the fight. I think DC pointed it out, which was a good idea because, you know, uh, that's one of the few reads DC really had. Good for him, man. That was good. God damn. Yeah, I'm proud of him. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, but yeah, Yanez started out jabbing him later in the fight and he built a lot more off it because Costa's defense was a lot less active than Yanez's. Yanez had like this uh, kind of shoulder rolly thing. Uh, it didn't really look all that great or effective, but it was something that really kept Costa from just like teeing off on him with impunity. Where Costa, he sort of shelled up with a high guard pretty early in the second round, I believe. Again, I started carving it up, going to the body, hooking around it. He had like this really weird sort of uh, looping right hand where like it was pretty tight, but he would like go around it and hit with the wrist, which it looked really painful to him. But it
0: looks like more it painful worked. for Costa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it It hurt him at least once or twice. I think he hurt him twice. I hurt him at least once and, like, got him, like, sitting down in the chair. But, yeah, uh, Yanez eventually went to the body to try to open up the guard. Costa did not open up the guard. Yanez just uppercut through his hands anyway. But, uh, yeah, fun fight. Uh, Yanez looks promising in more ways than one, right? He looks like he has a fairly deep technical toolbox uh, that Costa didn't really let him show until the end. And he looks like someone who can really overcome adversity mm-hmm. uh, and Fights that aren't necessarily going his way. Like, I don't know if showing adversity against Randy Costa is, like, a great sign moving forward. But Costa fought the right yeah, fight. He's dangerous. Uh, he looked like a solid fighter. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton to like about Adrian Yanez. Uh, I'd like to see him fight into the rankings now, honestly. Yeah. Uh, someone like Jimmy Rivera might be interesting It's super, super tough. Uh, but there are a ton of options for That's him. Big he, step he looks up. exciting. Yeah.
0: Cool. They're very cool. Um, the prelims uh, only had two decisions. Um, Did you watch them, and what did you like that you
1: saw? Uh, I watched some of the prelims. Uh, First things first, Julio Arce, the most important fighter in the world. Um, Yeah, Arce Yule, I, I enjoyed that fight a lot. I think it had some of the usual southpaw, southpaw weirdness, where, you know, a lot of it's just like, for instance, Arce, a lot of what he does with the jab is he uses the jab on the lead, like step to outside angles and line up the left hand to the to the head of the body and like angle out. I guess another southpaw is a little bit more complex, even if the jab should be able to like set other things up. But it wasn't any less jabby of a performance from Julio Arce. It was just more counter jabbing performance, where a lot of what Ewell wants to do, right, is to step in with the jab and just put together these like shifty combos and, uh, you know, just be really fast, be a bantamweight Michael Johnson basically. And Arce just intercepted him with the jab every single time. You uh, couldn't put anything together. He just got walked into the jab several times. Uh, he couldn't really, even when he got inside, Arce was a lot more active with the, his head movement on the inside, countered him. You had to take the back foot. And Arce did a really nice job, just hurting him into the left hand. Like the, the stoppage was weird. I, I agree, but it did not look like a fight that was ever going to go Ewell's way. Uh, Arce did a really nice job using uh, like a right leg, like sort of step up high kick or a body kick to uh, to get you moving towards his own rear side. And he just pelt him through the rear side, one really hard one to the body, and eventually just cut him off on the exit with the one to the head that led to the finish. Just a, a, It was a terrific performance, especially considering that like a longer fellow southpaw jabber might be an annoying way uh, for Arce to make his debut at Bantamweight. And I expect him to look a lot more exciting moving forward, but he should be moving forward to something a, a bit more fun. i like to see him fight, uh, I don't know, Kyler Phillips or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Step
0: into the ranking somewhere close. That makes sense to me. Um, I'm cool to actually not talk about this card anymore because we have some more <laughs> things to discuss, if that's cool with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm good
0: with that. All right, cool. Um, the Bellator card. So Bellator sometimes puts on some nonsense events and they, <laughs> it, it's tough. I talked about this. So basically this week uh, I did resume review, I posted it before we started recording this. Uh, Resume reviews a series where I prove a fighter is great by showing why the fighters they beat are good. That's probably the easiest way to explain (laughs) it. And uh, I did it for Patricio Pitbull this week. uh, Bellator's double champ, uh, featherweight and lightweight, I believe,
1: which is awesome uh,
0: because he beat good fighters to do it. And uh, yeah, I looked at his fights with uh, Pat Curran and Daniel Strauss, and they were first of all. The Pat Curran fight—it was the second fight between them—was um, one of the best fights fight, I've ever yeah. seen. Honestly, it was—it was amazing. So please check out that commentary, listen to it, find the fight. Um, actually, it's going to be difficult because Ryan had to like download it from a torrent and send it to me with Russian commentary <laughs> for me to be able to see it. It was hard to find. Um, so you, honestly, it might—it's worth three dollars just to watch that fight. Um, Wasn't amazing quality, but it was—it was good enough. Uh, you can definitely watch and appreciate it. And I was having a blast recording that one. Um, and I watched the Strauss fights, uh, a couple of them. And uh, Strauss, not nearly as skilled as uh, Pat Curran, but actually more skilled than you might expect uh, with a really big emphasis on how to leverage his, his physical attributes and um, and challenge people in different ways and uh, really limit people's game. Um, so they both challenged him a ton. And these were two fighters that impressed me a lot. And Pitbull dealt with them brilliantly. Like <laughs> they, they gave him like really real threats and he can do everything. <laughs> he can really do everything. He's so dangerous in the lead. He's so dangerous in the counter. He's a really good wrestler. Uh, he hit this amazing hip over counter on Strauss. Who's who's a good wrestler. Um, Strauss shot it on him against the cage and right away he was circling out, got strauss at a bad angle pulled back, put strauss on his knees and hit this hit hip over into mount from the wizard it was amazing um great grappler he, he can he can really do everything. Um, in recent memory he's changed to style a little bit because you know with age you have to fight a little bit differently. Uh, and i think the main thing that he's changed is he doesn't want to have as many exchanges because he's been hurt um, he's had some wars. And he doesn't want to do that as much. So he's he's adopted a longer stance, more of a karate style, and it's allowing him to move differently uh, and and create better exits and, and be more elusive. And uh, yeah, but he still has the same exact skill set. Just his approach is a little bit more exchange limiting, um, which I think is going to suit him well. It's a style that's very physically and athletically dependent. So I wouldn't want him to stick around too long if he's showing any signs of decline. But the way he is right now is fantastic it's scary. so i say yeah. all that because i really think that he's one of the best fighters in the world if he's in the efc he'd be a title challenger at least you know not automatically either like if he had to fight contenders i think he would be there um and uh yeah in terms of greatness he is very great i ended up moving him into the top 20 of all time uh because of his resume how, how strong it is it's I, i'm really impressed with him so the reason i say all this is because He's legit. He's he's the real deal. He's someone that deserves a lot of respect. If he loses this fight, it doesn't matter because he's had this whole career. He's thirty-two and four. He's had a long career uh, (laughs) where he's been very accomplished and proven himself over and over and over again how good he is and how great he is. And Bellator treats him the same as like Julia (laughs) Bud. It's really (laughs) annoying. Yeah, it's they don't they treat all of their talent in quotes, like they're all (laughs) world beaters and some of them are close. Some of them are, some of them deserve, and most of them aren't. So (laughs) for their viewers, they're like, this guy's a two weight champ, which is easy, easy marketing. Um, obviously so you can communicate it better then, but this entire time leading up to now, they're just like, this is the featherweight champion. This is the lightweight champion. (laughs) This is the welterweight champion. Douglas Lima could, could beat Usman. Like, no, (laughs) like there's a huge difference. Between Douglas yeah. Lima and Patricio Pipple. Patricio, <laughs> Patricio Pipple is someone that you can definitely discount Patricio's his abilities. Yeah, Patricio is <laughs>
1: awful. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I agree with all that. I haven't seen as much of Patricio as I've wanted to. I watched the uh, Curran fight earlier, and it's tremendous. Uh, Curran looked like, the, I mean, in the edge scale, like an 85-plus, he looked fantastic.
0: I gave him uh, a idea. I, I was really blown away.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could definitely see justifying that. I don't, I wasn't on Ryan that episode, didn't fight so me on it. That's me. No, it's, it's legit because Ryan true. is very harsh. Conservative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Pat- uh, Patricio Pitbull is tremendous. Uh, knocked out Michael Chandler, which is impressive in its own right because he did it better than uh, Charles Oliveira. better Oliver and did, faster. Yeah. Which, yeah. Never got hurt. Just cross-countered him instantly. Uh, but. Yeah, uh, AJ McKee, I've seen very little of him as well. I remember watching the Darian Caldwell fight where he won with like the the 100%. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, I mean, I don't really know if it transfers over when you're fighting a a really strong grappler. Uh, But, I mean, Darian Caldwell, he was a strong top player in his own right for a long time, right? And AJ McKee got him with it. So it might not be consistent, Mm -hmm. but it's something he he can do. Uh, But, yeah, looks like a crazy athlete. Looks very big, uh, explosive, strong, uh, I don't really know a ton about his skill set because that's the only fight I watched. I remember it being fairly <laughs> short, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it should be a fun fight. I mean, at least athletically, it's a challenge uh, if Patrici or Patricio, rather. I, I always mix, I don't like mix them up when it comes to who they are, but when I say their names, it always comes out mixed up. I hate it, but yeah, Patricio's the, the bad one. Patricio is the good one, but yeah, uh, if Patricio is slowing down even a bit, I think it it might represent a little bit of trouble, but I don't really see it being too tough of a challenge if he's still looking good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. AJ McKee is
0: someone I know more about than I would in other circumstances, but because of that whole Joey Davis thing that I did, um, I ended up having to learn a lot about Antonio McKee and therefore AJ. Um, AJ briefly wrestled at the same college as Joey as well. And he won a couple of uh, California, like junior college, national, 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 Titles They call them, but they're, they're state titles in college, which is a very rare thing to have, but it's impressive still. It's yeah. if there's a state for that to happen. And that's, that's the one, Um Juan Archuleta actually has the same pedigree. Um, and Antonio McKee is actually the greatest of all time in that system. He, he has, uh, he was undefeated and very good. Anyway, uh, AJ McKee, very talented, been basically training MMA his entire life um, because of Antonio yep. McKee. Um, you know, wrestling was just kind of a thing on the way. He never really wanted to be <laughs> a wrestler. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, interviews you can see that. If you ever heard the stories, like, Ronda Rousey's mom waking her up in the middle of the night by, like, arm barring her, yeah. um, that, that was AJ McKee's life, too. Like, that's <laughs> Antonio McKee was always doing that shit to him. So he's been living it the whole time. And I think, you know, with just constant repetition and, and a lot of hard work and just and putting it in, you're going to become a very good grappler like striking is yeah. very idea centric. Like you need to have good ideas and be smart and like, you know, or, or, you know, have one good idea. Super. Yeah, there, there needs to be certain <laughs> things that work out. Yeah. You need to be a good striker, but grappling is really something you can just apply the time to and get good instruction and, and become very good. And that's something that's happened here. Um, so AJ McKee, I, I believe in him a lot as a grappler. I don't think he's going to submit Patricio Pitbull, but I think he can hang. <laughs> Um, I think he can hang for sure. Pat Curran hit a really nice um, uh, hip bump sweep off the Kimura, which is a relatively basic move, but it just kind of spoke to Pat Curran's physicality, and I think AJ McKee is yeah. very physical as well, a, a great athlete. So a great grappler, great athlete, long. Uh, long and rangy. So long and rangy is something that gave people trouble in both the fights I watched. Um, Curran, who is lanky and the former lightweight big, yeah. and Strauss, who is gigantic, um, really, really big. So the way that they played with range, uh, the length that they can get on their punches, um, just, you know, when you're a counter puncher and people keep you on the end of their punches and they, you can't reach them on your counters, uh, that's hard. It's annoying. But I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb just from what I've seen. AJ McKee is a willing striker. He has power. He can do things, but he's not the kind of striker that any of those guys were. Um, I, I'd say he's even a worse striker than Daniel Strauss, who wasn't bad, actually. Um, he's actually pretty decent. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think AJ Key much of a striker. I think that's probably the biggest concern for his chances: is that you need to be, you need to be a good striker yeah. <laughs> if you're going to fight Pitbull, unless you have a, a really big, pronounced wrestling advantage. I think he can take him down. I don't think he's going to hold him down. Um, so he's going to have to strike with him for pretty long periods and he could catch him. He could definitely catch him. Uh, Pitbull's defense is not perfect, but over time it is, it is too good to be not elite on your feet. Let's just say <laughs> that um, just a really, really good, good triggers on his counters and in the lead. It's funny. He doesn't do anything fancy on the lead. Really? He'll just come in with like really, really normal combinations, but mm-hmm. he he moves really well. He hits really hard. He yeah. has a lot of power, and he can sneak stuff through your guard, around your guard. Like he, he'll find you. He'll find your shin. The current fight was insane, mostly for the reason that current was fighting this amazing fight every round, and then Pitbull was like, "All right, time to lead." And he, he cracked him. He, he rocked him whenever he tried. <laughs> and he was like, what? How did?" You-? So obviously that was years ago, and things are a little bit different now. But I think he's even more dialed in, uh, chooses his moments more carefully, is more defensively responsible. Uh, he's a really tough matchup for literally anyone. Um, so I like AJ McKee. I'm not totally down on his chances, but this is like a pound for pound type, type of matchup. guy that you're fighting. Yeah. So I, I hyped him up a lot. So if AJ McKee wins and it's not because people looks like he's old, uh, then I will give him so much credit.
1: Lots of props. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's move on to the comment. I mean, and if you had nothing else to say, yeah. if you do go ahead.
1: Yeah, I don't. All right. I don't. Uh, you, can, you take the lead on the co I've been talking <laughs> One sec. Um, actually my window closed.
0: It's Mads Brunel versus Emmanuel Sanchez. Oh yeah.
1: Mads, <laughs> okay. Mads Burnell, I know a lot about cause, uh, I watched the Arnold Allen fight a ton of times right after that happened. And actually to now, because the fact that they cut him is awful. But yeah, Matt Bernal, super promising uh, striker, grappler. Like, the fact that he was, turned out to be such a great striker is surprising to everybody. Uh, because pretty much when he came in, I think he got laid on by, like, Michelle Prezeris. And everyone was like, hey, he came in heavy and Prezerish just kind of bigged him. So that's not very promising. But uh, Arnold Allen was supposed to be like this, you know, really promising prospect. He's actually turned out to be pretty good. And Matt Burnell, you know, really pressured him. Got a lot of really nice uh, playing and striking entries off his takedowns. Lots of like this folding guard and like coming forward, really hunched over and like ducking into takedowns, fun grappling. And he got caught right at the end of the fight with like this, uh, like a a front choke type thing. I wasn't like exactly a guillotine, but it was like he got his neck caught and Arnold Allen crossing his arms defiantly. Uh, So... (laughs) Yeah, it was a it was a sad ending just because Arnold Allen was a fighter who, like, none of us really rated at that point. At this point, he looks, like, a, a bit sharper than I think we thought he was. But it, Mads Brunel looked like the better fighter there. And Mads Brunel, uh, I think he had, like, one more win in the UFC, won, like, one-two over some guy like Santiago, I think. But, yeah, uh, he looks very promising. I think he had a couple uh, fights elsewhere. He went to Bellator, like, right away and uh, looked very solid. So, I mean, I'm excited for him. What do you think,
0: Ed? Yeah, I'm also a believer in Emmanuel Sanchez. A small part of the reason that Pipple's resume is so good is he beat him twice. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Even Ryan thinks Sanchez is pretty good. And he's from Rufus Sport. And Ryan hates everyone from Rufus Sport, but he likes Sanchez. (laughs) Uh, Probably because his guard game is a lot more functional. I mean, he's very similar to Pettis in the way that he actually has a good guard and like is a good grappler. And like, it's not, it is kind of a viable strategy for him sometimes to play off his back, but he's also good at creating motion and like not hanging out for long periods of time. But yeah, he's, he's great. And people submitted him like immediately he rocked him and then he submitted him, but yeah. he was nuts. But anyway, um, he's got a cool little process on his feet. He's a good outfighter. Um, he uses his left kick actually uh, to go high and like place the guard and like punch, like jab through the guard and like has all, all sorts of little kickboxing tricks Um, great chin, great cardio, you know, puts up volume fairly, fairly decent defensively. I mean, like he didn't get killed by Pitbull in their first fight. He went five (laughs) with them. It was a good fight. Um, so I like him. I I think he's really solid and, uh, it's going to be a a really good fight. I think because on the feet, I think he's going to challenge Mads because he, he can throw a lot up the middle, um, which is probably the biggest, um, hole yeah. with with his with the cross arm guard some
1: success doing that yeah too.
0: like coming up the middle coming like straight through uh can be pretty pretty good uh especially being a heavy kicker uh which he he's he's pretty kick heavy I
1: yeah. can
0: challenge him as well. Uh um, Maz is gonna be, you know, blending those moments of, of movement and defense on the feet into his takedown entries. Sanchez can challenge him you know, with counter submissions and when they start grappling, I think it's just gonna be good. I think it's just gonna be good stuff when they start grappling. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be a great fight. If uh, Mads wins, he'll probably fight for the title because um, that's, that's like, the guy that just fought for the title. <laughs> that's who he's fighting. <laughs> so um, that's pretty awesome, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. If you don't watch any more of this card, just watch those top two fights because the they're, they're great. Yeah. But there are other names to look out for. Um, Usman Nirmagomedov fighting at lightweight yeah. uh, in the fight before that. I do not know the guy he's fighting at all. Manny Moro. <laughs> Um, but Usman Nurmagomedov is not someone I've studied, but whenever the people that are more into, like, the regional MMA scene in Russia, like, not ACA, like, the, the smaller leagues, like, a, you know, like, what is it? M1. Young Eagles or yeah, M1, like, smaller, smaller time promotions. Uh, not that M1's small, but compared to ACA, it's not as good. Yeah. But they, they all say that Usman's the best one uh, in terms of the uh, Nurmagomedov prospects. I was always into Umar. Uh, Who's in the UFC now and winning? Everyone Mm -hmm. said it was the better one. Um, I know he's very kicky, he's pretty similar to Umar, Umar, actually. To Umar, um, but I think he, you know, is actually a better striker, um, than that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got. I know it's not a super legit opponent, probably, but it'll be cool regardless. Um there's bread, premise. That's fun. <laughs> that's happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just a shout out. The first fight in the main card is a uh, Goise Yamouchi, who's been in Bellator's division for a while. He's all right. Um, that's a typically a lightweight fight. I'm not sure why it's a catch weight, but it's a catch weight. He's fighting Chris Gonzalez, who is undefeated in MMA, first of all. Um, second of all, he's dating Jesse Jess, how some of you might know him. <laughs> um, but I know him because he's a wrestler, he's a Greco Roman wrestler. He made a non-Olympic world team. Basically in 2016, they had a world championships during the Olympic year um, for the weights that are not represented in the Olympics. So it's a real world championship because it's not a weight that's been contested at the Olympics. So it's it's different <laughs> people that would then it's I mean, it's the same people really. Sorry, I'm cracking my back. It's the same people that would have been there um in a normal world championships, except for the people that can make the other weights that are in the Olympics. So it's not like Totally inconsequential, but he made a world team, Uh, didn't medal, but still he was very good at Greco uh, on the domestic level. Uh, He's done well at at national competitions uh, in Greco. And uh, yeah, he, he's a good athlete, man. And uh, he, he takes to MMA very well. I think he's a bit of a natural. He had some tough fights um, figuring it out, but I think they, um, I think the guys he fought knew how to, give wrestlers problems yeah. honestly and then he, he f- fought roger then he fought roger where <laughs> he beat the crap out of him so yeah. it's like <laughs> cool but goiti amuchi is like a karate grappler step up essentially yeah. and uh chandler top gamed him so chandler's obviously a better grappler than chris gonzalez is at this moment but it, it's it's a really good test so i'm looking forward to that um and i hope
1: he does well he's a cool guy and that's it yeah Oh yeah, Zabi's brother is fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the bigger story for Brent Premis, honestly was that he was supposed to, not supposed to, but he was offered out to oh, Shabli yeah, and yeah. he turned it down. And I'm very mad at him for it. And I hope, well, I hope Chandler beats him up. Or <laughs> Chandler didn't beat him up the second time, which is very, which is very sad. But yeah, uh, Shabli could have been on this card and it would have made it even better. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Zabi's fighter, uh, Zabi's brother, Kasan uh, Magomedsharipov. I don't know the guy. He's fighting Jonathan. Rose. I don't know if anyone does. Is he notable no. whatsoever? <laughs> I mean it makes sense just because like, like why would he want to be, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean it makes sense because I think this is like his Bellator debut and it's it, it's sensible. Um but oh there's also Georgie Karahanyan who you mentioned and he lost to Miles Jury. Uh he's okay. Uh got a win since split decision, so I don't know the guy he's fighting either, Kiefer. Cro- I don't know why Bellator names always seem so like Bellator. He seems
0: like a judge. He sounds like a like a judge or a yeah. ref.
1: <laughs> well, there's Doug Crosby. That's Doug why. Crosby is a judge. That's, That's why. I'm getting that vibe. Yeah, it's like Kiefer Crosby. I can't imagine a fighter anywhere else named Kiefer Crosby. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. It's a it's a fake sport with, with fake people in it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that card isn't like top to bottom good. But if you're a freak. And you like to watch every fight? Then you know do it because the Bellator prelims are pretty accessible. I think the yeah. main card will probably be on Showtime. Is that true? Yeah, it's on Showtime. It's on Saturday. It's on Showtime. Stream it. You know, don't get Showtime if you don't have it. But <laughs> <laughs> so there's that, and uh, we're gonna fly through this UFC card because it sucks. It's there's just the main event. What do you think about the main event? I, I think nothing about it.
1: Yeah, it's, like, the most middleweight fight I could possibly imagine. <laughs> like, I could not imagine. Like, you could ask me to make the middleweight fight and it'd be this one. Sean Strickland, I find him, he's a lot of fun. I like him a lot more than a lot of people just because, like, he seems to have decent ideas in what he's doing, if that makes sense. Um, he's, you know, he can put combinations together. He does one-twos. It's just everything he does, it's so ugly. It's um, he, he, like, squares up every time he steps forward. His mechanics on his punches are disgusting. Uh, his defense—it's like these really long. It's like he thinks he's just a lot of Sonya, basically. But his positioning is just all over the place. Anytime he leans anywhere, um, guys like Christoph Jotko had success just drawing him out of position and cracking him. It's—it's it's awful. Uh, but he does it well, which is weird. And Uriah Holt, surprisingly, is like the exact opposite in every single way. Like he can throw tight punches. He throws like tight spinning kicks. He just doesn't really have a process. And the way that he's, like, tried to introduce a process is, like, a jab, but his jab's really not all that good, which, like, he doesn't really do things for a lot of the fight, is the point. Um, tries to, like, walk guys onto spinning back kicks or whatever, uh, doesn't really do it with any degree of success or consistency, apart from, like, Gegard Mousasi that one time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Uriah Hall has the ability to take guys out if they're super irresponsible, but I feel like Sean Strickland is pretty clearly the minute winner. Uh, he's like minus 200. Sean Strickland is in this fight, which is really surprising to me just because I don't know how anyone can trust him that much. But I think Strickland probably takes it. Um, consistent pressure has been a thorn in your eye Hall's side before. Apollo Costa isn't the most like defensively <laughs> tuned person out there. Uh, he walked into the jab over and over, and Strickland at the very least is going to jab with uh, Hall and push him back with a, Uh and Strickland can put combos together. He's super durable. The way that guys tend to land on Strickland, it tends to be like relatively educated combination work or just spinning heel kicking him like Zaleski did, which does not bode well, but I don't know. It feels like the sort of fight that Strickland wins all the way until he wins or wins all the way until he dies.
0: Sounds good. My only read on Strickland is that if he fought someone with a double leg, they would hit it on him because <laughs> of the way he, he walks. Um, he squares up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I like your eye Hall. I want him to win. Strickland's been saying a lot of stuff and, like, sounds super unhinged. So I guess I'm worried about him. But, you know, is it going to be better or worse for his life if he wins? I'm not sure. So I guess I just hope that Hall mean, doesn't kill him. Um,
1: <laughs> he he did call out uh, Sean O'Malley for the 6'9'' tattoo. I think he'll not do a do that. fight or just like, this no, is bad. No, called him out because he's, yeah, it's creepy and terrible. Yeah. So that's like a point in his favor, minus like the million against him at this that's point. That's the I guess. plus
0: side of being unhinged is you say good things sometimes too. <laughs> he's the Joker, baby. <laughs> he is the Joker. Wow. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, the rest of the card, let's take a look. Kim Hokang versus Ronnie Aya. Kim Hokang's been your guy for a, for a while, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, it's, it's mostly a gimmick that he is undefeated in the UFC. Uh he's not really <laughs> undefeated in the UFC. Technically, he has two losses if you want to count them. Um, but even you know, even if you do count those, he is uh one, two, three, four, five, six and two in the UFC. Um, yeah, if you don't count the Caceres fight, which is no yeah. but uh. honestly, he's uh he, he should be better than he is, um, because he's like I, I cannot pronounce it, but there's like essentially this Korean wrestling style uh that involves the belts and it's like almost all throws. It's like mostly throws. Um, you can tackle legs too. It's not like Greco. It's not like sumo. Um, but yeah, it's, it's almost all throws, and he's so good at it. And uh, there was an interview uh, like when he was debuting that the Korean zombie said, this guy beats me up. Like, this guy kicks my ass <laughs> in the gym. Like, he's way better than me. Really good top player. Really good wrestler. Super lanky for the division, but really strong. So it's like the best base to be wrestling people, honestly and uh yeah he, he yeah. he's had some moments like getting point deductions and being kind of dumb um <laughs> i'm trying to remember which fight it was i think it was maybe his not his last fight but one of his recent fights where he just went nuts uh trying to be like a, a, like a brawler like try to go Vanderlay on people i'm like all right <laughs> that's not really what you should be doing um but yeah he'll he'll hit crazy throws and and do cool stuff and hit arm triangles and other neat chokes and i just like him a lot and uh he did get robbed versus uh Ricardo hamos he should have won that fight and uh the chico camis fight was weird too if, if i recall correctly so <laughs> him being undefeated in the ufc isn't totally unfounded but yeah i mean he's he's probably never gonna take a step up in competition he's just kind of like a fun guy that has fun fights and you shouldn't enjoy that and he's fighting a grappler which means he's either gonna try to vanderlay him <laughs> or they're gonna grapple and if they do it's gonna be awesome because honey um is not a boring grappler. Uh, he does a uh, pretty cool transitional work. He's got a great top game. He's tried to become more of a striker. He has power, surprisingly, considering yeah. his body type, but <laughs> he's mostly a grappler. He's very old, uh, but Kyung yeah, Ho-Kong he, is pretty old too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he somehow looks older than he is and looking at his Wikipedia page, he's only 36, which is like... that is. I expected him to be like over that 40. That is shocking.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm off by about a decade.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had a not a competitive fight with Ricky Simone but he survived against Ricky Simone and hit him hard a couple times. Uh and you know, he's had some fun showings. Uh I mean, it's tough to say a ton just cuz he's so old and I'm not really the grappling guy on staff, but you could be he's done you a believed. lot of That's true. <laughs> I could I could never be the wrestling guy though. You're you're too good at that. But yeah, it, it could be a fun fight. Ronnie, Yaya, I don't really trust his cardio at this point. I think is the biggest concern sure. just because like there have been more than a couple fights where he's had like strong round ones and just not really been there for the rest. Uh, but you know, I, I think the Barzola fight was one. Was that Barzola or it was uh, yeah. Where he like grappled him for the first round, and just got beat the fuck up for the rest. It was, it was really sad and I don't like watching him get beat up because like he looks kindly, he has like that yeah, Damian Maya like energy. Cool yeah. So, you know, I hope he has a good showing and Kyung-ho Kong doesn't really destroy him. But, yeah, I mean, seems interesting enough. I don't really see anything else on this card worth caring about, so why not that? Yeah, the,
0: the UFC has a lot of credentialed grapplers. Um, and, again, they do such a bad job describing <laughs> grappling credentials and striking credentials. Yeah. Um, he, he won ADCC, and I, I think he meddled at it multiple times, and that's a big deal. Like, Ryan Hall, they talk up yeah. a ton. Ryan Hall's best <laughs> grappling achievement is a bronze at ADCC once, which, I mean, that's great. But you have several world champions um, at Black Belt in the EOC, and you don't talk about them the same way that you talk about Ryan Hall. Like, you, you're doing a bad job when you do that. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> just, just uh, complain a little bit. But, yeah, this card... I'm sure it'll be watchable. I'm sure the fights will have some entertainment value, but in terms of like caring enough to preview them, um, that that's kind of it for me. But there are some single fighters that I, I would like to briefly discuss. Um, none of them are on the main card <laughs> otherwise, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to try to say his ne- last name, but uh, Melsik, the Armenian fellow, he's a, I think he's another Edmund Tarvedian guy, yeah. but uh, he's actually Sounds a pretty like credentialed uh, kickboxer, right?
1: Yeah, he is out of Glendale Fighting Club. Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know how many fights he's had, but he actually has a win a couple of years ago over um, a guy that people rate as the number one super flyweight, which is actually pretty impressive. Uh, Chu Jianliang, something like that. So I'd, I'm probably mispronouncing that massively, but he went on Contender Series, uh, beat up Dennis Bazukja, which I think, wasn't he the guy who was like a criminal and out of Sara Longo or something? I feel like it That he could was. be anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, they were like, oh, this guy's super good. And then he uh, went into Contender Series and lost, and Melsic kind of beat him up near the end. But, yeah, uh, Melsic, he should be interesting. I mean, you know, uh, Contender Series guys tend to fold after a certain point, but it's something. Uh, Chris Gritzemacher's return, okay. Um, I wasn't expecting
0: you to point that one out.
1: <laughs> I'm just reading through it. I have no idea what – oh, Trevin Jones, he's fun. Um, I'm actually
0: more interested in his opponent. Uh, so we know Trevin Jones because he knocked out um, – Team Valley, but yeah. Ronnie Lawrence is a, a, another wrestle kicker. And uh, I'm not sure if he really has wrestling credentials necessarily, but I, I liked what he looked like in his uh, first fight. I think it was his debut, his most recent fight, but yeah, I, I saw some promise there. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. See if I see more that I like, but Trevin Jones, a uh, friend of the site, um, Ethan uh, Agigi, who uh, wrestles for Guam and trains out of Southeast regional training center in Virginia um, so you should like him, Sharon. Sure, he actually yep. trains near Virginia Tech. Um, he's buddies with Trevin Jones. Oh, I'm pretty they tra- far from him. Training but... back in Guam. Um, so yeah, we, we like him, but I like Ronnie Lawrence yeah. too. So that's a cool fight, but that's all I care about really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I rec I thought I recognized the Kasi guy, but it was it's actually like a different Kasi on wow. the contender series. I remember yeah, because there was one uh, Kashi guy who like uh, he fought some dude with really weird ankle wraps, and he gashed out in a round and got beat up. Nice. So that That's the story I have for this card. Nice. Nothing super interesting. Um, Kai Kamaka had that really cool banger with uh, Tony Kelly a while ago, and then he lost to uh, someone else, which was very disconcerting. I did not like that. But, yeah, it seems like a, a, a card that... It, it, you know how a lot of people say that the, the worst cards tend to be the most fun? I do say that. I expect... This one to be like that, but mostly because it's like there are a couple interesting fighters who are going to dominate and a couple of like regional level fights that end up close. And people, that's like all it really takes for people to consider a card good, if that makes sense. Like last week's card, it was legitimately good. which a lot of good things from a lot of fighters. But this week's card, I expect it to be a lot of like funnish slop fests. Bellator is the one to watch, basically. Yeah, you'll
0: have to wait until next week to hear what we thought about the UFC card because for our commentaries, I think we're going to do the top two types top two fights from the bellator card because uh, they're definitely fights that uh have piqued our interest i look like <laughs> yeah. the uh the shiny nose girl from tiktok right now i got a little shine <laughs> on my nose so that's a good, good time to end it <laughs> before i say anything foolish
1: oh uh, yeah way too late oh, darn uh,
0: is that it yeah